Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, David Beyond. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And there are a few items I wanted to discuss with you guys today, but the first and foremost being the, to me, the immense disappointment of the Nintendo Switch OLED model. Now, this is the long-rumored Switch Pro, and let me just give you the reason I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed because my expectations were just too high. This is totally on brand for Nintendo. But yeah, for those who don't know, this Pro model Switch is essentially just a Switch with an OLED screen, slightly bigger OLED screen, enhanced uh, sound, it has a better sound chip, and a LAN port in the dock. And I believe those are the only differences. And yeah, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> What's that? I think the white dock looks nice. It does look nice, but, like, at the same time, and, and, and this is largely on me, right? Like, there were so many insiders that have said reputable things in the past that were saying, like, this thing's going to have DLSS, it's going to have docked 4K output. Like, that was almost taken as truth, you know, it, it got circulated so many times. But now I'm of the belief that this this Switch, I believe... Is just like an interim product, right? Like, I think what the insiders had knowledge of was the Switch 2, the successor to the Nintendo Switch. So, I think those... Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure those wires got crossed somehow, because, like, in no way, shape, or form is this... The only rumor that carried forward was, like, the OLED screen. That's it. And, like, you've got, like, a dozen other people saying it's going to have 4K docked and DLSS and all these things. None of that. It's literally just a Switch with a bigger screen. No, this is absolutely... And I I don't believe this, but I just want the... I I saw the voice out there, and I think there's a case to be made for it. I saw some people saying that they think this might be a product of COVID. Like, they wanted to I saw that, too. But... The, I, the shortage of chips, but not a shortage of screens. So they went ahead and put an old switch in a new shell. I don't think that's likely. That that's not a Nintendo thing to do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And plus, like these these hardware decisions are made like years in advance, right? Like you've got to think they've been thinking about this for a while now. Like I can't imagine they were like, "Oh, COVID happened. We don't have enough chips. Let's just create another switch with an OLED screen and then release the actual." switch in two years or whatever like i don't know i i definitely think that like the rumors that we've been hearing it would be be super on brand to release the uh this revision and then within a year uh release the next nintendo switch that would would be be so bad oh my goodness yeah they've done it before the game boy micro the the new 3d or not they've done it many times before yeah the dsi the DSI, they did it. It's uh, Nintendo. <laughs> Nintendo, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, like, and, and I have uh, umbrage with the price as well, right? Like, you're essentially paying $350 for a better handheld experience. Marginally better. Well, I should I, say that. No, you're not. no really that's good. not fair. You're paying $50. This isn't, I mean, assuming you're- you don't already own a Nintendo Switch. You're only paying $50 more than you pay for the normal number. Yeah, you still have to pay $350 to get this machine, you know? Like Yeah, that, but like it's it's $50 if, if more than Nintendo holding Switch. out because they're unimpressed. I so here's my take. I don't think this thing is worth it right now. 
But uh, end of life Nintendo Switch, they get a little cheaper maybe and uh, a little more moddable. I'll absolutely pick one of these bad boys up because uh, it's just a better screen. And if I can mod it to do all the stuff that like my 3DS can do right now. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for me, I don't. Yeah, like I'm not going to pay 350 bucks for this thing. At this point, I'm pretty much convinced that, you know, there is a Switch 2, and I just kind of want to wait for that. As to when that happens, though, like, you said next year would be on-brand for Nintendo, but, like, just realistically thinking, I feel like, you know, 2023, maybe 2024? Yeah. Where they announced a a, a successor to the Switch that is hopefully backwards compatible with the Switch that would be brain-dead not to do that, but... yeah. Nintendo though. Uh, I think so. I I think what if um now nah, Breath of the Wild 2 is coming too soon. I was going to yeah, say Oh my gosh, that's another thing I thought of, right? Like I was release. so I had this yeah. fantasy of, you know, like Breath of the Wild 2 and my Switch Pro ran marginally okay and like now we're going to have to play Breath of the Wild 2 900p 30 frames per second and it I mean, I'll it's still enjoy 30 it. frames per second. Yeah, like, but yeah. like what a shame. Like I totally And again, you know, this is just me. My expectations nah, were too I th- high. I thought y'all were delusional anyway for thinking, you know, if Nintendo got better hardware, they'd have pushed it and it still wouldn't have gotten 30 frames per second, uh, you know? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like, uh, certainly not going to get there now. Yeah, not even close. I think it'll be fine. I think Breath of the Wild 2 is still going to be a masterpiece. I'm not nearly as disappointed as you seem to be, Amid. I think... Yeah, my expectations I mean, I honestly, were just I might grab high. One. Yeah, I like... Uh, find somebody looking to buy a Switch for, like... $250 or something, and suddenly the cost of the OLED screen goes down to, like, $100 for me. That's kind of tempting, because I do play my uh, my Switch handheld. Yeah, if you sell your Nintendo Switch, then I could see a case made for it. And it has more storage, internal storage. It has 64 gigabytes of internal storage, which I yeah, think is more, right? a negligible amount more. I mean... How I much did the, the Switch, like, regular have? 32? Yeah, I think 32. Okay, yeah. But, it, you know, that filled up instantly for me. I have a, I want to say 512 gig S- SD card in there. Really? Huge SD card in my I'm making do with like a, uh, like a um, 64 gig, personally. Yeah, I don't have it anywhere near full. I uh, I asked for an SD card for Christmas the year I got my Switch or something, and my, my dad way over-delivered. <laughs> Which I, I I'm not complaining. I just right. don't have space on my Switch anymore. It's awesome. But yeah, like I, I yeah, I'm definitely I think more disappointed than you. Uh, I don't I see myself getting this at all. In fact, this announcement, it's funny. Like I saw this announcement, and I was like, well, I'm gonna use that money to buy an Xbox. Like I'm pretty much like the Nintendo Switch OLED model has convinced me to buy an Xbox Series X. So I'm kind of actively you know looking for that. I, I think you're disappointed more so than I am because I don't buy premium consoles. Like, there was no world in which I was going to buy a PS4 Pro, you know? And yeah. like, the odds of me, if, if they released a Pro Switch, the odds of me getting it were pretty small anyway. Because if I want a premium gaming experience, that's going to be on my couple thousand dollar gaming PC where I can get an actual premium gaming experience. I'm not going to do it on a Switch, you know? Yeah, yeah. but... The the argument for me, anyways, when I make these decisions is that, like, yes, the PC has the premium gaming experience, but, you know, the exclusives aren't there. 
that I really covet. So. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there are a lot of PC exclusives, but they're not. I mean, the exclusives there, that I play. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Nintendo Switch OLED metal. And, and again, continue Nintendo's tra- tradition of like just stellar naming, right? Nintendo Switch in parentheses OLED model. That's that's the name of this thing. It's better Nothing. than the new 3DS. I mean, that's it's it does what it says on the tin. I mean, yeah, it's it's just kind of boring. Can't complain at all, personally. I mean, you know, it's I want- Nintendo. They've never been known for having exciting console names. You know, I wonder. Maybe like, do you think guys think that like there was a chance this thing was called the Nintendo Switch Pro, and then Nintendo saw what people's expectations were and were like, yeah, we're not going to call it that. Because it's the outrage would be tremendous. I I honestly think we're giving Nintendo too much too much credit here because Nint- especially for namings because Nintendo was also that man- that uh that publisher that for an entire console generation put the number sixty four after all of their games. Yeah. yeah, for absolutely no reason but just to put emphasis that is for the Nintendo sixty four. <laughs> I don't know. Back then though, it was kind of cool, but. Yeah, it's pretty stupid. It, if it was, it was it's, it's really the equivalent of Microsoft releasing every Bethesda game with the uh the Halo words one. <laughs> one X at the end. Halo X. Yeah. Halo X. Yeah, that's Halo that's a S. that's a pretty that's a pretty interesting comparison. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. But yeah, I guess that's true. But yeah, Nintendo, give us give us give us the sequel to the Switch sooner rather than later, please. Like I, I disagree. I actually would rather not have a sequel to the Switch sooner. I mean, the Switch hasn't been around that long. It's only been like four years, right? I don't. I'm not itching to get rid of my Switch. Has yeah, it been? the Switch actually, isn't that old. It's 2017, right? Breath of the Wild came out in 2017. So yes, uh, yeah. So like, I think at this point we're in like the second half of the Switch's life. Yeah. But yeah, if, it's still, if a console it's still about can't Mario. last five to seven years, that that's not long enough. I feel like. Yeah, and I think the Switch will be one of the longer lasting ones, right? I I could easily see seven years for the Switch. And I and, also just yeah. don't just make uglier games. Like I don't need a or not uglier, but just like you know the Switch doesn't need top notch lighting and stuff. Like it's been cool that it was able to get console ports up until now, but like. It doesn't need it doesn't need that stuff, but at the same time, like it's it's falling behind the other you know the other consoles. By a I lot. mean, Nintendo's never been known for a game for cutting the the cutting edge graphics, really. right? Yeah, but like I don't know. My argument is still that like they're they're falling below what the minimum should be now. I think. Yeah the the other argument is that Enter the Gungeon does not run. At a, at a stable 60 frames per second on the Nintendo Switch, and that's not good enough because that is a, a strictly 2D game. Yeah. Like, that game should run flawlessly on on your hardware. Although I, I do wonder if that's a port problem or a Switch problem. Yeah, I, so, I feel like it might be a both problem. The Switch's hardware should be theoretically good enough to run. And yeah, I would think so. So my, my theory now, and I hope this is true, uh, is that you know, insiders jumbled up the Switch OLED model and the Switch 2 or whatever. Because if all the rumors for the Switch Pro are true, then the next Switch is going to have a 720p screen, which, come on, please don't, you know. So I'm hoping the 720p screen came from this model of the Switch and not the actual next Switch. 
so we'll can see. I tell you my favorite, uh, my favorite and least favorite things about the the OLED? Sure. That is my favorite is the the smaller uh, bevel on the side of the screen. Yeah. I I love that. I uh, the closer it is to just being a hundred percent screen, the better in my opinion. I think that looks so much nicer. For sure. Because the switch does kind of look like a toy the way it is now, which is fine, but the OLED definitely looks nicer. Uh, my least favorite thing is that the screen is bigger, which means that the the PPI is going to be worse. Nintendo keeps right. doing this with all their handhelds. They release an XL version that is just a bigger screen without raising the resolution at all, and all of their games look like trash. Every P- single XL console Nintendo has ever put out looks like absolute crap. They're all the, terrible. The PPI will be worse, but hopefully that will be somewhat compensated by like the deep contrast provided by OLED. But it'd be I, nice I don't to think have that's both. good enough. Like, I, I really don't think that's good enough. Like, if yeah, it's still going to be that like 540p I, image, I guess even like, blown up another inch, that's terrible. Yeah, I, it's it's baffling. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure why they skimped on the 1080p screen. Like, I mean, I even think, if it had been a 1080p screen, the games wouldn't be able to hit it, so it wouldn't have mattered. True. Just increasing, so true, increasing, yeah. yeah, increasing your screen size without. Yeah, just it's just always a bad idea. Like, there's a reason that they targeted that screen size originally. They should have made the switch smaller or something. Like maybe like a switch light size, but with an OLED switch screen. Light, yeah, switch light with, sized with an OLED screen that has no bevel. That would have yeah, been beautiful. Been, yeah, yeah, that would have been primo. I would have loved. I would have probably bought that without really thinking about it. But but as I always hate. with Nintendo, there's compromises and there's. You, we yeah. never e- exactly get what we want. It's always like a monkey's paw situation with Nintendo. Yeah, I am still. So I, I've rectified the situation since then, but I am still furious that when the new 3DS was announced, they only gave the United States the new 3DS XL, and they announced that they would never bring the original size new 3DS to the states. So I, you know, I wanted the thumbstick and everything. I bit the bullet and I bought the uh, new 3DS XL. And what do you know, like three years later, I'm in a GameStop and I see, and I never heard an announcement about it or anything, but I'm in a GameStop and I see a, a new 3DS original size sitting on the shelf. And I'm like, well, this is infuriating. And yeah. eventually, you know, I waited another couple of years and picked one up at a pawn shop. But just don't give me XL things. Like, I get that they're good for some people. You know, some people don't have great vision and don't want to wear glasses yeah. while the game. That's fair. But yeah, selling the XL as the premium product is so stupid. So do you guys think that maybe in a year or so they're going to phase out the Nintendo Switch like regular and OLED model will be the default at $300? No, I don't think so. Hmm. I, I think they're going to do like they did with the the new 3DS where they're like, the new 3DS is this is this is me quoting Nintendo. Like the the 3DS is your basic daily driver. The new 3DS is a Cadillac. Like good that's, lord, that's I think that was Reggie who said that, and I was like, all uh, right, Reggie. I think he was see, talking about specifically it, about the new 3DS XL. Or see, Nintendo gets Nintendo gets away with it too because that is so dumb. But Reggie's saying it, and Reggie's great, so like yeah. it makes it sort of okay, but. Yeah, no, oh, Reggie geez. had to, I mean, Reggie has to say, or had to, you know, he doesn't do it anymore, but he had to say so much stupid stuff to just cover for Nintendo Japan, because, like, he, you know, he's not making the, sh- he's not calling the shots. Yeah, yeah, Reggie was just a, a pawn. I mean, you know, I do, like, I, I bet Reggie did have something to do with the, uh, the message that we would not get the, uh, original size new 3DS, and, like, how, I'm still mad about it, sorry, how, 
did they not want to, like, the 3DS is one of the greatest selling consoles of all time. How did they not want to give us the new 3DS original size? It's, in the US? it's a baffling decision. I'm not, I, I don't know. Maybe they had some weird marketing data that showed that the U.S. wouldn't be as into it or something. And yeah, they had no, I mean, I think it was, I think the, I think the XL models probably do sell a lot better in the U.S. because we're bigger, like, on bigger average, is people better. in the U.S. are going to have bigger hands. Plus, you know. I got bigger hands. I, that's just I feel like US just likes bigger things, you know, like yeah, phones keep getting bigger, like iPhones keep getting bigger and stuff. So, oh my god, yeah, my phone is too big. I uh yeah. I'm probably going to downsize when I upgrade. But yeah, it's blasphemy, really. No, I mean, I'm part of the problem. Too. Like uh, my phone's huge. <laughs> like Oh yeah, I I mean, I bought a Note 7 when they I have an S20 new. Ultra, like <laughs> it's massive. It's like I don't upgrade a miniature phone, right? tablet. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, isn't that the one that can use the S Pen but does not come with anywhere to put the S Pen? No, this one can't use the S Pen. Maybe the next one is the one with, that can use it. I don't know, S21? Yeah. But yeah, I guess, Connor, you'll have to let us know how your how the Switch Pro is when it comes out in October, I believe. Are, oh, are, probably, I mean, I'm not going to buy it in October. I'll I'll pick one up when they're cheap, when the Switch 2 okay. comes out yeah. or something. Are the, and, uh, and play in 64 games on it. Do you guys know if pre-orders are live? Nah. I, I don't know, because I'm not going to buy a Switch Yeah, Pro. it's so funny, because, like, we initially predicted this thing, like, would be a repeat of the PlayStation and Xbox. Like, people are going to go rabbit over this. Now, I really don't think so. Like, I don't think they're no, going to be... it'll be very attainable. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be insane demand for this thing at all. Yeah, no. There definitely the, could have been. The only market for the Switch OLED model is in people who don't have a Switch yet. I kind of agree with that, yeah, like... I guess, like, the yeah, and, like, people who have a Switch who want the Olin model, like, better sell their Switches now. Yeah. Right? Like, otherwise, it'd be, by then, it'd be totally devalued, I, I feel have, like. I, we're kind of in a draw to Switch games I want to play. I, I would have a hard time justifying buying a new Switch, because I, I turned my Switch on to play Smash Bros. last night, and I realized I, like, the game that was on it, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't played it in two weeks. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, not, and uh, like nothing not glamorous. And obviously like OLED's nice, but like again, regular Switch has the better uh PPI. Yeah. PPI? Yeah, it sucks. PPI? If there was a no compromise to Switch Pro, I'd I'd be a lot more inclined. Yeah. But there are. So I'm not touching that thing. I also like like I said, I would want to sell my Switch and, and the collector in me really doesn't want to get rid of my original Nintendo Switch that I have so many hours on. And I'm also Buying a new Nintendo console and trying to transfer your data is always yeah. That's going to be a nightmare too. <laughs> so good I, luck I have to a anyone. Story. Who... Yeah. When I when I bought my uh, new 3DS XL, I had an original Ambassador 3DS, and I was wholly unable. I, I've called customer support like three or four times trying to get them transferred. I never got my Ambassador games or my Ambassador my stupid Ambassador certificate to transfer over to my newer 3DSs. Feels really bad. Yep. Yeah. They're not good at this. <laughs> they're good at one thing, and it's making games. Everything they're good. They're good at that. They're terrible at. They're good at exclusives. Fortunately for them, yeah. they're so good at exclusives. We largely excuse everything else. Yeah. So you can't play Mario Golf Super Rush anywhere else. Nope. Yeah. The, the, if if Nintendo didn't have the massive exclusive catalog that they have. Yeah, I mean, they wouldn't no exist. Reason. I don't, yeah, I don't think they'd exist straight up, you know, like. 
The it's, only I think they had company, a failed back in the day, but people buy a Nintendo Switch to play multiplats too. Like I know people who Nintendo Switch is just their gaming console, and they play Doom, and they play Overwatch, and they play Warframe. Really? Warframe. Yeah. I, yeah. No, those people, casual gamers, love the Switch because it's just. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. That's a good entry point. I mean, it's 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 not as attractive now as it used to be because a PS4 is a lot cheaper now, and you can play the, all those. Nintendo games did very well to get back in third parties' good graces with the Nintendo Switch because with the Wii and Wii U, like they they had uh, fallen off hard. I think oh, there yeah. were not a lot of third parties on those consoles, and it showed. Right, like I think that really hurt. Uh, it, it, it was kind of like a cyclical thing: lack of third parties hurt sales, and then lack of sales hurt heard third-party interests so yeah and i'm always uh indies are just such a weird thing on the nintendo switch because like i want to have my indie like if i'm buying an indie pixel art game i'd love to have a portable version of it but on the other hand i'd love to have a version of it that runs well too so yeah for for the most part for most indies and, and the switch is absolutely my indie machine before that it was the vita but most indies I play on Switch run just fine, but like you said, there's notable exceptions like Enter the Gungeon. Yeah. I, I feel like, other than it's like an indie machine or an exclusive machine, the Switch, its novelty is really not there anymore. Or as an on-to-go, on-the-go kind of platform. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, you even see... Did you guys watch the commercial for the new Switch? Yes. Yeah. Like Nintendo's always has this certain tone when portraying the Switch, you know, like young people like that are not kids, but like maybe late teens or early 20s, like all getting together with their Switches and stuff like that. And like, like they really have this tone of like, yeah, you're going to play at home and then you're going to take it with your friends and play like that. And it's just like, I don't think that's how most people use their Switch, but I could be wrong. My Switch very... My Switch only leaves its dock for me to play it in a comfier chair somewhere else in my house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I mostly play mine in handheld mode now, so it's just a great handheld for me. Yeah. But, yeah, I think uh, you guys have any other thoughts on the new Switch? Other oh, than really? disappointment? I'm not that... I'm, I'm, ex- I'm exactly whelmed. <laughs> I'm I'm disappointed. <laughs> And uh, let, let's let's not stop here. Let's keep the disappointment train going. I kind of wanted to talk about... Uh, actually, the news broke today that Assassin's Creed Infinite is going to be Assassin's Creed's future for the foreseeable future, and it is a live-service Assassin's Creed game. Now, And I, once again, am absolutely whelmed by this news. Now, this, this tracks, right? Like, we did hear from Ubisoft a few months ago, like in one of their, you know... Uh, company meetings or whatever that they're going to be largely focusing on live service games going forward and uh yeah like i i was kind of like yeah i guess that makes sense for ubisoft but for some reason i never thought it would reach assassin's creed i thought assassin's creed would be their like yearly bi-yearly sort of bloated rpg installment but it seems like that's not the case no it's more like it's their call of duty and call of duty is well into its games as a service life now too yeah, yeah, I'm. Well, we get new Call of Duties every year still, but um, yeah, but you have Warzone attached to it. Yeah, which is the same Warzone. It's still games as a service. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think you're bringing a lot of baggage to the Assassin's Creed announcement. That I, d- I definitely am, just because I like, have. Did you, the, did you read the actual Ubisoft uh, announcement that they posted? I read Schreier's post. Okay, Ubisoft themselves put out an announcement and. Uh, 
it does not tell the same story necessarily. It it says more like instead of having two separate teams working on two separate Assassin's Creed games, we're going to take the best from both of the teams leadership wise, and we're going to work on continuous content for Assassin's Creed. Yeah, yeah, and that that tracks with what I thought it was. It's just I'm not sure that's what I want. But like again, like you said, I am bringing a lot of baggage. Yeah, I do I, have. I don't see very... how it's any different from what we have now, other than the monetization. I mean, I assume like, so. Like, I mean, we we simply just don't know enough. But what I assume and hope it'll be is that like it'll essentially be one Assassin's Creed world set in a time period, and then like a major expansion comes out, which will essentially functionally work as another Assassin's Creed game attached to that. Right, like yeah, I, I, we'll, I, it'll be a I new like world, my, a new time period. Yeah, so I don't distinct see what errors and stuff. And maybe like, you can bring your skins over, you know? Like, yeah, but like, I just, I feel like it's going to be turned into something I won't like. I just have a feeling. Well, I mean, but, I am also fearful because Assassin's Creed is already a really bloated series. It is. Like they're, yeah, they're running out of ideas very quickly. It's, it's not hard so to much. Keep I feel that like fresh for that long. I feel so. Like every few years or so, they do a major shakeup to Assassin's Creed, and like I feel like it's due for another shakeup. And I guess we're getting one, right? But like, I yeah, they definitely need to change from like the, I guess the Origins Odyssey Valhalla style of just like, uh, action RPG with just tons of stuff to do, too much stuff to do. Or I would argue, like it becomes tedious after a while, and it sort of loses its luster. So, I don't know, like, uh, looking optimistically, I would s- hope that, you know, move to live service means a reevaluation of the core Assassin's Creed formula, too, and it's not just, like, Origins attached to Odyssey, attached to Valhalla, which would just be too much. What other single-player live service games are there? Single-player no. live service? I, I don't know. Because Assassin's I, Creed, if they make it a multiplayer game, that doesn't make any sense. That's going to be terrible. Yeah, I would hate like, that. Please don't. Unless you have like a PvP dedicated PvP or something. Like, it's not. I don't want like the open oh, no, world. The multiplayer in Brotherhood was amazing. I thought that was super. I fun loved it. Yeah, and I that making it. a comeback would not be bad at all. That was cool. That would be great. But like, what I fear. So this is another thing I fear. Like, we've never seen a single player live service game, as far as I can tell. Right. So like. This game could be like they're just assassins running around everywhere, you know, like in a, like a Destiny style world, and that is absolutely not what I want from Assassin's Creed. But uh, nah, I think I, that's unlikely. Yeah, like I'd be interested to see like a single player live service game. Like, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting concept. I don't. I'd be curious to see if it is. Yeah, it in just fact makes that, me think that, that a lot of the work. baggage that you're bringing with you with the live service model just isn't applicable like that they're kind of treading new ground here and i hope you're right at least i, really I hope do. to god they're treading new ground because uh, if they try to make it multiplayer then that's just going to be stupid and they're going to embarrass themselves i mean i'm i'm kinda, honestly kind of getting sick of live service games yeah mike like, you've you've voiced that a lot oh yeah <laughs> i'm i'm every time i hear, see one i just groan a little louder <laughs> it's I, I just don't like games that overstay their welcome. I like a game yeah. that I can play through and be finished and live with. live service games never go away. Unless, yeah. you know, they, they bomb and catch on fire and fail spectacularly. And it's, it's Ubisoft. Ubisoft has been known for taking a concept that's pretty cool and then doing it to death. And then after it's dead, continually using the body. To, yeah, I mean, uh, like... Unless it's Rayman. Make money. Rest in peace, my boy. Oh, just you wait until the, the Rayman games as a service. 
Just I'll play wait. it. I will. That'll be the first one I really get into. I'll have every you know, costume. Like, so Ubisoft has the division, right? Which is insanely popular, right? Like it sells so much. So many people play it. And uh, it does really well for them, right? Like, and uh, it just, it strikes me as, like, obviously this was a very calculated decision, but, like, The Division occupies its own space. Assassin's Creed occupies its own space. Uh, Far Cry occupies its own space, right? Like, Assassin's Creed is now going to be occupying, like, a similar live service space as The Division. And I, I have a feeling that after this Far Cry, you know, 6, I believe, is coming out soon, starring, uh... Gus Fring from Breaking Bad. After this one comes out, I'm pretty convinced now that the next Far Cry will be a live service platform like, like Assassin's Creed. So I th- wonder what Ubisoft is doing. If they're going to have three, you know, they're going to have two, potentially three live service uh, games for their core franchises. Like, where does that where does that leave them? And like, hear me out here. I honestly like I I will have no interest in a live service Ubisoft open world game because they're already there's already a lot of crap associated with the Ubisoft open world that I don't like and to make it even longer <laughs> seems like I just get bored. Yeah, I mean or like most people would get bored. When 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 I hear like live service game, you know, like I think of like repetitive tedious tasks that, you know, can marginally increase certain stats for you so you can get specific loot, right? That That's, like, the sort of cycle, right? Like, that's the cycle in Destiny, in The Division. It was the cycle in Anthem, in Avengers, you know, like... And like you said, like, an already, at this point, very bloated series, which Assassin's Creed, I would argue, back in the day, was not like that, but it has changed. Yeah, it's uh, gotten super bloated lately. If they if they follow that pattern, uh, it'll be even more bloated. And, uh... But, you know, like... I think I'm sort of in the minority here because, like, I do think I believe the Assassin's Creed series just has been selling better year over year. Like, I think Valhalla sold like an absurd amount. So clearly, people like what they're getting. But, uh, but yeah, I hope for the best. I'm very skeptical, though. Yeah, elaborating further on this, like, I, I, if you would have told me back when Destiny released that Destiny and Bungie would open a floodgate of live service games, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But here we are in yeah. the year 2021, and if you're a AAA games publisher, chances are you're going to have at least one or two live service games. Yeah, it's it's really interesting to think about. Like, Bungie definitely opened the floodgates. Like, Bungie, Bungie did this. They caused and, this. And the worst part is, a lot of them are bad. Or a lot of them are supposedly live service-esque and then they'll claim that it's not a live service game okay so from a financial perspective like i i really it's curious to me why like so many people are jumping on this when it clearly seems to me at least it is a very high risk high reward investment if you're a publisher or a developer who wants to create a live service game either it could be like destiny or the division right like in which case like it just becomes this self-sustaining behemoth that makes you millions and millions of dollars or it turns into like an anthem or Avengers, in which all those money and resources you poured in kind of go to waste because no one plays the game, and then eventually, you know, you have to shut down. I which mean, hasn't happened yeah. to which hasn't happened to Avengers yet, but I, I feel it like will. yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
But like it's that's just the risk of making a video game. Like that is the risk of making a video game, but I think these live service games they're for all intents and purposes, I feel like they're quadruple A games, right? They create they take so many resources to create, right? Like so I that's why I feel like there's such comparatively high risk, high reward games to make. I think I think the weirdest part about live service right now is that a lot of them are just MMO lights. I, yeah, like, I don't think that Avengers took that many resources to make more than... Yeah. I don't think Avengers took any more resources than it would have made to make just a good AAA campaign through Avengers. Yeah, you could have just turned the Avengers into a solid AAA game and yeah, removed all the live service. Yeah, I can't. That game. I don't like, know the specifics of like what it took to make, but I do know they lost a lot of money on Avengers. But, you know, yeah, they, were, you lose they money were still... On a bad game. That's just the, yeah. That's just what happens. Like... Avengers, like, if you look at the actual content in Avengers, there's not very much there. Like, it's a lot of the same enemies over and over. The, yeah, it's standard, like, live service game fare, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand how any of that would be more expensive than just making, a, a like, an, an Uncharted, for instance. Like, yeah, if I, because, if I look at Destiny so, next to Uncharted, Uncharted looks more expensive to make. Well, the reason, no, well, the reason why live service games end up being more expensive is because development doesn't stop. You know, if development right, stops but, on Uncharted 4, you know, Uncharted 4 comes out, and then, you know, patches come out, and then it's done, right? Like, but live service games never stop. Well, I guess if you're smart enough to just cut your losses early, which... You know, they're uh, not. Where Enix <laughs> has no, not been. They I never mean, are. E- even Anthem, I would argue, went years past its expiration date. I think in their Anthem yeah, was it, dead it, on arrival. So yeah, Anthem, yeah, like, Anthem was more dead than Brink, and Brink was dead. You know, it's. I think it's like classic, like sunk cost fallacy, right? Like it's like, okay, we've already spent this much. If we can spend a little more, maybe we can turn things around, and then you eventually just find yourself in a crater. Yeah, eventually oh. you're four million dollars short of the where he started and you realize maybe we should have killed this two years ago. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't get it. And I feel like we're going to continue to see more and more live service games because they either make you a lot of money or they lose you a lot of money. And triple a type publishers don't really have to worry about going bankrupt off one bad game. Yeah. But, and to Connor's credit, like Ubisoft has shown they're willing to adapt Assassin's Creed you know, like, they're willing to change it, they're willing to modify it. So, like, I don't think, like, if Assassin's Creed Infinite ends up being, like, some horrible Frankenstein piece of garbage, like, I do think, you know, a couple years from now, they'll be like, okay, here's another Assassin's Creed game, like a traditional Assassin's Creed game, you know? Like, I think, yeah, so, I mean, look what happened after Syndicate, you know? Yeah, like, I they think completely the crux changed the, the franchise, yeah. of, uh... Of if the if the Assassin's Creed live service will survive is whether or not Ubisoft can come up with some way to keep players engaged that is not repetitive grind, because that's how every other live service game does it. I mean, Assassin's Creed, like I, I would argue the 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 core thing about Assassin's Creed, which it sort of has gotten away from in the recent years, are the assassinations, right? Like, yeah, if if that is the, like their focal point. And they build everything around assassination, like kind of like almost like old school Assassin's Creed. I think it would be potentially successful, but we'll see. If yeah, because like ever since The Witcher 3 came out, right, like The Witcher 3 had a massive impact on the direction of the Assassin's Creed franchise, right? Like Origins was highly modeled after The Witcher 3, but 
the problem is The Witcher 3 did the things it did way better than Assassin's Creed did, right? Like, Assassin's Creed, when it added all the side stuff, yes, some of it came together and was cohesive, but a lot of it was just bloat. Whereas, like, The Witcher 3 is, I think, a masterclass on, like, here's how you incorporate side things that become meaningful later on, or meaningful right now, or what have you. Yeah. Like, I, I feel... It might not work out because a lot of the Assassin's Creed audience is not the audience that would play Destiny or Anthem or The Division. Yeah, I think or I really think any other kind of game because they're they're known for being long single player games. It just I, feels like it it would be like Bethesda releasing a live service game, which actually did happen. It did. <laughs> yeah. and it I, I just six. don't think I don't think Assassin's Creed is going to change as much as you guys think it's going to. I just I think this is a change in development paradigm, not a change in what the game's going to look like. Yeah, and I, I hope you're right. Yeah, I, I hope, hope you're, right. you're right. But I am very cynical. Okay, yeah. So, uh, Ubisoft, is there, are there any thoughts on Assassin's Creed Infinite? Uh, is it actually called that? Yes. <laughs> kind of oh, eat Halo's lunch, aren't they? Mm. I, I'm assuming uh, Infinite is going to be the new generic word after AAA games, right? Like, if they're a live service game. It's Far like the Far Cry Infinite. It. It's really bad. Halo I don't like, like it on Halo word. either, to be clear, but like... Yeah, I don't, I don't like it's not particularly there are a lot of things Halo does that I don't think are very tasteful that I just kind of like let slide because they're decent shooters. When do when do we get the uh the inevitable Assassin's Creed Infinite Reckoning? Reckoning Reckoning isn't a too common of a word. It used it, to be it was Kingdom, common. Kingdoms it used King, to be Kingdoms in of like Amalur. Late reckoning. 2000s Reckoning. Yeah, Kingdoms of Amalur. That game did not sell well, I don't think by the way. If you if you had a had like a sequel or something, the word reckoning was probably in there in the late two thousands. Red like, Dead Redemption Two Reckoning. I think God. Red Dead think, Reckoning. Isn't I feel like Origins is also a common it is, yeah. Game title, right? Like very come up with better titles, people. Come on. You don't have to use the same I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I I really like when games have subtitles for a long time and then suddenly switch to numbers like uh, like Mario Kart did. I mean, Mario Kart's the only thing I could think of, though, right? Nah, I'm pretty sure it's been done other times. I was talking about it with one of my friends the other day. Uh, I'll see if I can remember it in a second, but I hate when they do the opposite, like Halo went one through five and now it's Halo Infinite. That's tacky, and I don't That's like it. That's very tacky. I, it, I it's mean, fine I, for side games. Been... Like Halo Reach was a side game. Yeah. And like, Maybe Halo Infinite is a side game. Ever think of that? Maybe, uh, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's Halo Six, bud. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of Halo they'd... Infinite is the multiplayer, and they call the campaign Halo Six. That'll just blow me away. I'll be ecstatic. I don't think that's gonna happen, but me, it'd be stupid. I, yeah, I kind of wish they just call it Halo Six Infinite. But I get the reason, right? Like to drop the number, right? Like you, it's to attract new people, right? Because people feel intimidated by, you know, like okay, I didn't play Halos one through five. Why would I buy Halo Six? You know, so. Yeah. Okay. So the last Windows. Of... Right. Okay. Yeah. Windows did it. <laughs> the last Not bit of news I wanted to uh discuss are the Sony acquisitions, right? So we got news that Sony has Sony has acquired Housemark, the developers of Returnal, and uh previously PlayStation exclusive games like Resogun and Matterfall and Super Stardust. I don't know if that one's exclusive, but and they have also acquired Nixus, which is a studio solely focused on PC ports. So I think these two are both 
pretty important acquisitions for Sony. Housemark, I think, makes a lot of sense. It's sort of in the vein of the Insomniac acquisition, right? Insomniac made games for Sony for years, and, and Sony sort of locked them down. Actually, fun fact, I think Spider-Man came out before Sony, or Insomniac was a first-party Sony dev. So That sounds right, yeah. I, I think, yeah, that, that game, you know, like... Being the be- it became the best-selling PlayStation exclusive of all time, and Sony was like, okay, we need to stop messing around and grab these guys before someone else does. And then Housemark, you know, like Housemark, obviously not as big as Insomniac, but they have a very distinct style of game, and I think with more Sony like funding and backing, I'm excited to see what those guys can do. You know, like re- I think Returnal was just sort of a taste of like what they're capable of. So, I think yeah, I feel a- I feel like we're finally in an era where there's going to be a lot of consolidation in the gaming space for better, for worse. Yeah. I think, I think we've been in that era for a while. Right. Like, and I will, I, I will point out like these studios are not even close to on the same scale as the Microsoft Bethesda purchase. Right. Like that was the biggest purchase I think I've ever seen in gaming. Like that was absolutely wild. Like, obviously I think there's some like Tencent ones that are bigger, but yeah, I feel like eventually the indie space will be the only place to find third-party games. Like, I, I that's the logical. I wouldn't go that far. Right? Like, I feel like nobody's feel, ever going to acquire Activision. Yeah, I was going to say Activision's too big. Activision's too big. Three, three AAA publishers. There's no. You know what's gonna wild? See a bunch of indies getting gobbled up. What is wild is that I could see a future where Microsoft acquires EA or Ubisoft. I could see that. Ah, uh, EA, EA's a, EA makes too much money. With Ubisoft, sports, nah, I, I could see EA. I couldn't see. They Ubisoft. have their sports titles. EA has like FIFA and stuff, Madden. So, yeah, it. Although EA likes money, and I don't think making their sports titles exclusive to a platform, right, would yeah, like, end up working out for them anyway. That's a fair point. Yeah. But yeah, like so, I I, I do want to point out. I think Housemark's great, but it was expected, right? What's really interesting is this Nixus purchase, right? Like just last episode, we were talking about Sony's new PC strategy and how like we'll probably eventually see day and date releases on PC. Nixus specializes in PC ports. Like they they've never even made a video game before. They've only done ports. So this is a very sort of targeted acquisition. I think that really speaks to. Sony's intent, like, I think God, they're I we get Returnal on PC. They're going hard on PC, yeah. right? Like, this is this is clear evidence of that. Am I crazy? That 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 that's it, right? Yeah, it, it's really what they're telling me is that I need to go out and buy a DualSense and not a PS5 because I'll be able to the, play all the, the PC games. ports are coming. You know, like this yeah. studio exists to port. To, like, they're not going to be making Sony exclusives. They're going to be porting Sony exclusives to PC. Like, that's. Yeah. what they're going to be doing. And Sony has a lot of exclusives, like... And hopefully they're a well-oiled machine doing it. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I I, feel like they're just going to start pumping out these Sony exclusives, right? Like, and we, we've heard, you know, Uncharted 4, there's strong rumors of Ghost of Tsushima now, and, like... God of War. Yeah, God of War, like, and, you know, I sounds like maybe that's just the beginning, which is which is wild. Remember, remember at... The end of last decade and the start of last console generation, when everyone was convinced that mobile games would take over the console space or the yeah. gaming space in general. And it turns out PC is doing it. Yeah, that PC is the winner yeah. here. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I never would have, when I was, uh, God, yeah, like 2009, 2010, like that era, I never, ever in a million years would have thought that, like, any of my friends, let alone most of my friends, would be looking at buying gaming PCs. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I, was the o- I was the only person I knew with a gaming PC. Like, you were ahead of the times. Yeah, yeah. I've even, I even have even seen, like, PlayStation diehards go gaming own gaming pcs heck i even have a gaming pc not that i it doesn't have a graphics card but i have one like you're missing out if you don't at least have a gaming pc at this point in time what i mean what graphics card are you holding out for amid i want a 3070 man (laughs) i want one i don't think they're super hard to get anymore (laughs) yeah they shouldn't be hard to get i mean like i'm not so i'm not like refreshing every day but whenever i do check they're all sold out Oh, okay. Because, like, yeah, the place I bought mine from, he's saying the queue is probably going to go away, and he's just going to have stock. Oh, sweet, yeah. I'll probably yeah. I'll probably look into that then. But, I, you know, funnily enough, I I am pr- prioritizing at this point an Xbox Series X over a 3070, because I do want what, my... Why? Because I want an Xbox now. Yeah, why, yeah, but they don't... Okay, uh, PlayStation <laughs> I'll give you, but there is nothing a Series X does that you can't just do on a PC. Yeah, yeah, but you know I'm weird, guys. I generally just prefer playing on console. Like that's just my preferred ecosystem. So, but it, like it's just objectively worse at that point. Like, yeah, there's no advantage. I just like having a dedicated machine for gaming. What else are you gonna do on your gaming PC? You have a MacBook. I also have a gaming laptop. Yeah, which, which you know, which fulfills my gaming PC needs quite nicely. But uh, yeah. This isn't about me. This is about it's a little of it's about you now. I'm attacking you <laughs> now. Okay, this whatever. Is, this is uh this is weird. It's, uh, I, don't no, I literally I, don't I just to, can't understand the stance where you already you know, have a gaming PC. I I, I, I acknowledge it is, X. it is it is silly. It is silly. But you know, like there's like just, I could understand buying a Series X over a gaming PC. That makes sense to me. But when you already have nine-tenths of a gaming PC and you're going to buy a Series X instead of a graphics card, suddenly that doesn't make any sense. It's just, and I agree with you, it's not very rational, but it is the console lover in me coming out. So that's what I'm doing. It's okay to be wrong sometimes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) I'm being judged so hard, not just by you guys, but to literally everyone listening right now. The listeners, yeah. I, can, I can feel it. Yeah. No, the judgment was so strong, a lamp fell off my de- my desk. <laughs> Look right on the my lamp keyboard. Couldn't take it anymore. The lamp couldn't take it. But anyways, I'm yeah. I'm just so, excited. My 3080 is going to be here soon. That is exciting. Yeah. You'll be uh, gaming in the future. Yeah. Finally, I'll finally have ray tracing. Whoa. I've been. How do you feel about the fact that yeah, I've had ray tracing before you? Yep, it's embarrassing. Yeah, it. Oh man, I, I I hate I hate what happened to mobile gaming. I mean, it's kind of I feel like I, it's just I sort of quiet agree. now, right? So like, and I feel like the mobile games that are made now aren't as trash as they used to be, right? Like before, people were just just you no, know, there's a lot of trash out there, just pumping out like Flappy Bird clones, right? But. I'm told that the Rayman Infinite Runner, or no, it's not even an Infinite Runner. It's like a, it's like Mario Run, basically, I think. And I'm told that it's pretty good, although I haven't played much of it. It's called Rayman Adventure, I think. And like, 
there's stuff like Apple Arcade, and I've looked at some... There are games on Apple Arcade that I want to play. I just don't have an iPhone. Like, I think Apple Arcade's actually really cool. And I think Google yeah. has an equivalent, but I don't hear about it nearly as often. I think I think what, we, what happened to the mobile market was that people realized that they aren't going to actually properly game. And so the majority of the mobile space is dominated by gotcha mechanics and infinite runners. Yeah, I think it was just a case of like figuring out what the right kind of game was for that platform, right? Like I still remember the days where people were trying to like make RPGs on mobile and it's just like no, that's not. People people were convinced that mobile was the future and I honestly it's become a niche and that's it. I mean, I don't know how in touch you guys are with like the game dev subreddit and like some of those subcultures and stuff, but like the guys who make a a fairly successful mobile game is going to do a lot better than a fairly successful PC game monetary monetarily. Yeah, no, like, yeah. Mobile gaming is because like you can pump huge. out a mobile game in like a couple months. Like there, there are people who make a mobile game once every two months or yeah. something. Mobile and gaming isn't side cash. Isn't going anywhere because it is a huge slice of the revenue pie for just about everyone, right? Like, and and I mean everyone. Like I'm talking Sony, Nintendo, like everyone. And there's like right? a, a thirst among mobile gamers for new games that like. You have it on console and stuff, but like console players buy a new game. I, I think we're probably in the ma- like in the vast minority in that we buy new games really regularly. But I think like most console gamers only buy a new game every you know month or couple months or something. Whereas a mobile gamer will download a new game just because it looks fun because they're mostly free to play or ninety nine cents or something. You know? Yeah, yeah I think those are, it was those largely are impulse buy territory. I think it was largely just figuring out the audience. Like that's what I'm sticking to, right? Like early twenty tens, like. People thought there was a lot of cross-pollution between, you know, console gamers, PC gamers, and mobile gamers. Turns out that wasn't the case, right? And they just had to find their audience. And now I think yeah. all of the ecosystems are sort of thriving in their own way. Yeah, but yeah. I, mobile games are also plagued by a lot of predatory practices. More so, I mean, so, more so than, like... games a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like those those same predatory practices sort of just made their way everywhere. And that's sort of the norm now unfortunately yeah yeah we're just better at avoiding them on our own platform because we're conscious uh i feel like uh, there's a lot of predatory practices that would happen on a mobile platform if it happened on pc you'd hear it everywhere but on the mobile platform it's almost normal yeah like uh it's just you know those people who play on mobile don't i guess mind or don't aren't aware of how sinister those practices really are or maybe they just don't care i don't know you definitely don't hear about it too much anymore. But yeah, yeah. like, just quickly going back to Sony. Uh, so Nixus and Housemark. What's funny is Sony Japan tweeted out an image congratulating uh, Bluepoint on uh, joining the first party family. So, and then they quickly deleted that tweet. So I imagine the Bluepoint acquisition is coming soon too. So that Blue would Point be too. I, like I recognize the name. Blue Point. Uh, they do. They did the Demon Souls remake. They've been doing remakes for oh. Sony. For quite a while they did the uncharted trilogy remaster they did the shadow of the colossus remake so i think i think blue point's a very i think actually i think blue point is the most talented remake studio out there like i think they're they're very exceptional at what they do toys so, for bob back when they existed yeah rest in, in peace, peace. <laughs> yeah toys for bob presents call of duty 21 Man, I want I want to make a tangent about Call of Duty because I feel like it's gonna it's more than likely a disaster. I mean, yeah, we've mentioned like before that like they're scrambling to get this year's Call of Duty like in shape. 
but you know, like it's still probably just going to be it's, totally fine. <laughs> normally, wise. by this point, Call of Duty would have had at least one or two major events where they're like, "Hey, here's the new Call of Duty. Get excited!" That's true. It hasn't even been revealed yet. That's They've that's a good point. Yeah, radio silent, and we're almost to the end. We're turning into the middle of July. Normally, Activision would have revealed this stuff in May, early June. Yeah, that's a- so. The fact that we're not seeing a Call of Duty reveal or anything yet doesn't bode well for the new Call of Duty. Yeah, especially when like Battlefield had that huge blowout at E3 and really got everyone's attention. You yeah, know, I feel like, like this is this is the year that Call of year. Duty gets yeah. murdered by Battlefield. Yeah, I hope so. We've been we don't we've just no that. show on a Battlefield year. I mean, they won't know they'll be there whether the game's like held together by duct tape or not, but they'll be there. You know, so yeah. Like, be we didn't this get the title to what yeah. late or uh, late May. What even is the title again? Vanguard. Vanguard. Uh, Vanguard. Yeah, yeah they Vanguard. came out with the yeah. title in like late May, but only because everyone had leaked it by that point. Yeah. Yeah, it's, we'll yeah see. it's just we'll unusual see. to see Activision being tight-lipped about literally the only t- title they care about. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I guess it makes sense, right? Because like they, this is such a big deal to them. They don't want to tarnish it, and like you know, they don't want to lose I'm, their. They don't want to lose their crown. I think that's largely what this is. If I'm not mistaken, I think this is the only title Activision actually produces outside of their Blizzard properties. So I haven't heard an Activision game other than Call of Duty in years. So actually, they they produced Sekiro, if you can believe that. But uh, And I think it's a testament to maybe just the respect people hold for From Software and Miyazaki, because like, there were no, you know microtransactions or anything of the sort in Sekiro, right? It was literally just a From Software game published by Activision. Oh, so, so it has actually been two years since Activision published a game, because Sekiro was the last game they published. Yeah. The 2010s, they had six games. Hmm. Six or seven games that they published, maybe eight. Yeah. That's super weird. They're really resting all their eggs in one basket. I mean, it again, it makes sense for them, right? Like, if you look at the money Call of Duty brings in, like, like for them, that why would why wouldn't they, you know? So, all it takes is one failure for Call of Duty, and that's all of Activision's revenue for that year. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully, we see it. Like, I Call of Duty has been stagnant, I think, for a while. So, the, the I feel like they think it's too big to fail, and and it might be, yeah, but I think uh, the true test will be this year. Yeah. I mean, if four or five installments of Call of Duty that were all equally garbage didn't do it, uh, what could Vanguard do? I mean, people really like Modern Warfare, right? Like the new one? Yeah, Modern Warfare was a a return to form. Yeah. People didn't like Cold War as much, though. Yep, that's the vibe I was getting to. But I, I don't know. I enjoyed Cold War just fine. It's just... That's the thing, though. Like, even when Call of Duty's bad to this point i would argue it really hasn't been bad you know like it's always somewhat enjoyable it's, i have been it, hearing a lot of discontent from warzone though yeah apparently they really bungle that which is a shame because like back in the day i used to play warzone quite a bit and really enjoyed it so yeah i'm hearing a lot of discontent i don't know what they did to to like mess it up the, but the problems came when they introduced like the uh gosh the uh, Black Ops Cold War stuff into Warzone and tried to make it all like cohesive and it just like failed miserably at that. I also I also I'm hearing like bad balance 
which in a battle royale balances everything. Yeah. And uh, I'm just not sure what what's going on with the Call of Duty franchise at this point. Yeah, hopefully it's a it's a turning point. Uh, like it's 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 time, I think. I mean, Blizzard isn't doing as good as they should. Like even WoW yeah. is kind of suffering. So Blizzard, might, I don't know. We Blizzard might see Activision I do disappear at some point. No, I don't. I really doubt that. Like I I do think Blizzard is too big to fail for sure. Like they've just got I, so many lucrative properties. So. I don't know. I know a lot. I've seen a lot of the WoW community run off to other MMOs. Notably, okay, uh, but, yeah. So WoW goes down, but then they have like Overwatch and they have StarCraft and they have StarCraft's dead. They have all these things. So StarCraft is a hundred percent dead because they just stopped development on the actual last title in the franchise. Yeah, I don't know much about StarCraft, so I can't speak on that, but. Um, From my I perspective, at least, it seems like they have so much going on. Hearthstone, Hearthstone's had a lot of worthy competitors in the recent years, so I don't think that that's going as hot as they want it to be. Most notably, Riot Games comes out with a better Hearthstone, with half the predatory yeah. mechanics, and it works better. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like this is sort of like a low point for Activision, but I wouldn't go as far as saying, like, They'll disappear entirely, possibly. Like, I don't even see that as a possibility. I, I do know the Overwatch League hasn't been hot either, because at one point they made a decision to go to Facebook as their primary streaming. Uh, that's a mistake. Uh, yeah, Facebook's definitely trying to, like, get out and on gaming in a big way. We'll see if they're successful. Yeah, they've been lying, cheating, and stealing to do it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> at least their video platform has been. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a bad time to be in Overwatch. Well, I guess Overwatch 2 is coming out. That might do something. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah, you uh, guys want to get into what we're playing? Yeah. You guys mind if I go first? Go for it. I finally... I'm, I'm a patient gamer. I finally picked up Devil May Cry 5. Oh, And man. that game is an absolute masterclass in character action games. It just... Every, every smart advancement that Bayonetta had, they tacked it on. But then they also tell a cohesive story that makes sense at the end of the day. <laughs> and it also uh, just seems like bonkers, right? Like, isn't one of your combos like one of the dudes like whips out like a motorcycle and just dual wields oh, that's a motorcycle? Not, that's not just a combo. Dante just has a weapon that is a motorcycle. <laughs> like, pretty, pretty wild. He can just use that whenever he wants. Yeah. Nah, so, like, you have three characters that you play as in the main game and one DLC character that I haven't bought yet. You have V. You have Nero, and you have Dante. And you start out as Nero, and he's like a pretty basic character. He has a, a robot arm and a big motorcycle sword thing. Like, he has a sword that he revs, and when you rev the sword, it does more damage. And, like, if you can rev the sword as you hit somebody, uh, if you get the timing right, it instantly revs it to max, and you can do, like, a ton of damage. And you just have all these combos that you're bouncing around. I'm not going to try to explain what a character action game is, because they're kind of complex they're not super easy to get into they have a, i know that devil may cry has a very high skill cap it has an extremely high skill cap and it feels so good to have a uh, a triple s ranking it's just very few gaming experiences i i uh it kind of tickles the same uh uh the same part of my brain noita does where like if if you're bad at the game like your character can be extremely stupidly powerful, but only if you're good at the game. 
Like, you have to earn it to get to that point. But, like, if you're good at Devil May Cry, you're not getting hit. You're just, like, bouncing these enemies around you like they're nothing the whole time. If if you're good at the game, you are just as cool as the cutscenes are. Like, and that just feels awesome. It feels so good to play it. It's, uh, it's, I think it's the first time I've ever, no, I did it with Dark Souls too, but that just says how much I loved this game comparing it to Dark Souls. I, I beat it and then the next day started over on a higher difficulty. Like with, awesome. it has like a new game plus system, sort of you unlock a new difficulty after you beat normal mode. So I, I beat it on Devil Hunter, which is normal and you unlock Son of Sparta, which is harder than that. And I, I immediately started it over and in one sitting played through about half of it. I really like it. My only, the only reason I didn't play through all of it is that um, there's a character called V that you play as. N- Nero and Dante both play fairly similar. They're both up close, in your face fighters. Doesn't V attack what? by reciting poetry? No, he does recite poetry. That's not how he attacks. That's how he charges his devil trigger. V, um, he summons three other demons to fight for him, so he plays very differently. As V, you're just kind of trying to stay out of the action while your uh, demon pets do all the fighting. And, like... It doesn't sound very... Easy. doesn't sound very Devil it's May not, Cry. It was really fun to shake it up on my first playthrough. But, like, while, while Nero and Dante, their levels both felt like they had been, like, turned up to 11 on the new difficulty, there were more enemies, which made it actually a little bit easier for me to chain bigger combos and stuff. Easier to get combos, harder to survive if you mess it up. So like just more fun in general, like it just felt amped up to 11 Uh, with V. It just kind of felt like the levels took a little longer. (laughs) Like I was, (laughs) I was getting S ranks with V the first time I was getting S ranks with V the second time and having like, I don't know, but this time without the story to kind of compel it. And uh, the story is fun, by the way, I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, This is one of those games that I definitely plan on playing eventually. But yeah, yeah I mean, if you're going to play it, I would seriously recommend playing um, the older. I would play Devil May Cry 1 and 3 at least before this one. Uh, skip 2. 2 is terrible. Uh, I liked 4. Uh, I might replay 4 sometime, but 4 kind of exists in that weird early Xbox 360 time where like all the colors are kind of washed out and it doesn't really know what it's trying to be. I don't know. 4, four is my least favorite of the ones that I've played. Okay. But... Uh, I, I skipped two because it was god awful. Wasn't uh, I, I believe boring. Or wasn't there like a huge outcry because like Dante wasn't the protagonist or something? You don't get to play as Dante until about halfway through the game, and uh, basically this is another. It's kind of a drag. You play through the first half of the game as Nero, and then the second half of the game you play as Dante, and you just kind of play Nero's levels in reverse. And uh, I don't know. I I think. After playing Devil May Cry 5 especially, I think the outcry is silly because Nero and Dante are very different characters that play different enough that I think they're both really fun in their own right. V, however, plays very differently, and I really just don't want to play as him anymore. I, I don't have a good time and, playing as and v. v. V is a new addition to 5, right? He wasn't Yeah, a thing he's before. a new character, okay. yeah. He's a mysterious enigma, and well, I, I'll say this, fans of the series, you'll never guess who V was. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's silly but uh it's well, just a stupid the, twist that 
a stupid twist that every fan of the series probably called the second they saw V. Mm-hmm. He's, a, so. he's the protagonist of Cyberpunk 2077 in the crossover everyone wanted. He's yeah. Keanu Reeves? Also, he looks exactly oh. like... Um, no, he's not Keanu He's like a really Reeves. skinny version of the dude who plays Kylo Ren. Adam Driver? Adam Driver, yeah. 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 He looks like a really skinny Adam Driver. <laughs> he looks like a skinny emo Adam Driver, for sure. I've seen pictures yeah. or video. I, yeah, I don't even... What I think... I really like the writing in Devil May Cry, and maybe this is going to, like, really paint me into a corner on how sappy I get about action stuff, but, like, I love that every character in Devil May Cry thinks that they're the coolest character in Devil May Cry, and I love that the game, like, acknowledges that when you put, like, like when they're all on their own, they have, like, the demon-fighting abilities to kind of back up their claim, but then if you put all these people in the same room, they just look like a bunch of assholes. Like, yeah, it's certainly I don't got think like they're cooler than everyone else. <laughs> its sense of style is second to none. I think, like, just from the trailers and stuff I've seen of this game, like one of those most stylistic it's, games I've ever seen. It's incredible, and the one-liners that are so <laughs> stupid that they deliver with like such genuine conviction. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredible. Nothing. It's just so good. Like I could. Yeah, I, it just goes like, all it, from what I've seen. It, it just goes all in on what it is and is ashamed yeah, of it. It does. So, and yeah. it knows exactly. And it's so beautiful to see them do that because they like kind of steered off of that with a DMC Devil May Cry or DMC featuring Dante from Devil May Cry. <laughs> the the stupid yeah. reboot they tried to do. They kind of steered away from that. They like lost their way. And it's so beautiful that that reboot did not end up staying canon and they just did Devil May Cry 4 after that. And then Devil May Cry 5 is. I mean, I, I seriously did not think that it was possible to top Bayonetta 2 in this genre. Because Bayonetta, Bayonetta does all the same stuff, and it does it just as well, except Bayonetta can't seem to tell a story without convoluted time travel garbage mucking it up. And, like, their stories are just not good on in any sense. There's nothing fun about their stories to me. Like, the individual moments in Bayonetta are super good, but it does not tell a fun story the way, like... Like, Devil May Cry 5 actually has, like, interesting stuff. Like, the relationships between Nero, Dante, and the villain are all very interesting. And V as well, once you actually figure out who V is. Like, there's a lot going on, but it's not hard to follow. Whereas Bayonetta is like, why is there a little girl calling Bayonetta mom, but also the little girl is Bayonetta? And also, like, why does the villain make Bayonetta call him daddy in the last scene? (laughs) It's just stupid. I mean, but Devil I'm May sure. Cry Five doesn't have any of that baggage. It's I mean, just, uh, De- it's Devil. A... Let me be clear here. Devil May Cry Five is also stupid, but in a good way, right? Oh, it's stupid in the best way. Yeah, yeah. Devil May Cry Five is stupid in a way that makes you grin ear to ear. Bayonetta is stupid sometimes in a way that makes you grin ear to ear, and sometimes in a way that makes you kind of like want to turn the game off. <laughs> yeah, it makes you feel dirty. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, dude. But yeah, yeah. No, none of that in Devil May Cry Five, and I just think it's super interesting, like how much Devil May Cry Five was clearly inspired by Bayonetta. Like it even does like the enemy title cards that Bayonetta does, and uh, yeah, it's awesome to see games in the same genre taking inspiration from each other and just making each other better. It's cool. I mean, I don't know if you know the story, but uh, the guys at Platinum Games, those were the original developers yeah. of Devil May Cry, and they uh, yeah. they left Capcom. They left Team Little Devils and formed Team Little Angels to make Bayonetta. And I guess whoever was left at Capcom had enough talent that they were still able to pump out an amazing Devil May Cry game. Like, 
The yeah. fact that the fact that all that controversy happened and both series managed to come out on top is unheard of. Yeah, I, I, and I think now we're in a situation where like there's this awesome rivalry between the two companies, right? And like, uh, and, and it just we exist just in a world where like I will buy any Bayonetta game and any Devil May Cry game that comes out like day yeah. and date. The only reason I waited so long to play Devil May Cry Five is because I had to catch up on the rest of the series, and uh, Four took me a while to slog through. If I'm yeah, being honest, so yeah, now that you mentioned it, like I was just planning on jumping into Five, but if you if you encourage playing through the the previous games, all if I'll you have, have to play through, if you, I mean, you can just jump into Five. It has an actual, it has a cinematic that like covers the story of all the previous games for yeah, you. Yeah, I don't know how beginning. much I care about the story in De- in Devil May Cry. I, I kinda... see I I like it. I really like it cuz I think it's goofy and fun. And it also like there's a lot of fan service in Devil May Cry 5. Like there's a boss that throws there's a boss that like the intro is them throwing something at you and you can immediately tell who this boss is going to be without seeing them just based on what they throw and how Dante reacts to it it's an exact callback mm-hmm. to an earlier moment in a uh, Devil May Cry 1 yeah, and like the fact that i saw that neat. and called it and was right like made me feel so good yeah that kind of stuff's neat but uh if you if you if you do want to skip just to Devil May Cry 5 the only game i would say is like a must play is Devil May Cry 3 that game is a masterclass as well and like the fact that they got it so right so far back is really cool. Yeah. But that's it. Unfortunately, Devil May Cry 5 will not be on sale for the Steam Summer Sale anymore by the time this episode comes out, but that's why I picked it up. Yeah, I'm probably going to pick it up on PS5 when it uh, when it goes on sale. The PS5, they did do a PS5 version of this game with like uh, 120 FPS. Support, oh, yeah. So. It'll, yeah, 120 FPS will be feel very good in this game. I actually don't know. I think I played it in 4K60 because my TV doesn't do 4K 120. Yeah, and I'm sure that was fantastic as well. It did. It did feel very good. The uh, it's uh, another interesting thing is the first Devil May Cry game was actually originally going to be a Resident Evil spinoff, I think, and was no made way. in the Resident Evil engine. Yeah, and that's why it's and it kind of spun off into what Devil May Cry ended up being. And you can kind of feel that in the first Devil May Cry game, like the fixed camera angles, the uh, the way the character moves a little bit, you can kind of feel it. And uh. What's really interesting is that Devil May Cry 5 is made in the RE engine, the new Resident Evil engine. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's not a callback. That's probably just practical. But at the same time, it's kind of neat. Yeah, that engine's uh, pretty neat. It's pumped it, out some It's some amazing. Good games. I mean, that, yeah. it performs so well on PC. It has, like... I mean, for how beautiful this game looked, like, the fact that it was running at a rock-solid 60 at 4K for me on my 1070, it's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't even thinking about frame rates playing this game at, at all. So I'm probably going to play through it a couple more times <laughs> before I'm done with it. Yeah, I I totally feel that. Seems like the kind of game that doesn't get old, right? Like if, when the gameplay is that good, like it's just never. No, I, yeah, I, the only thing I wish they would add is a, a cutscene like auto skip. Like I, I wish on on your harder difficulty playthroughs, it just wouldn't even start the cutscenes because I'm just going to skip them. Like, yeah. It's irrelevant at this point. Mike, what have you been playing? Um, I haven't really been playing anything new. I picked up Pavlov and uh, Fallout 4 and a couple oh, other Pavlov. games on Steam sale. Uh, Pavlov is a VR shooter, and I played a little bit of it. It's nice. It's like VR CSGO, right? Like... Yeah, I haven't played any of the multiplayer. I messed around with 
some of the other features and I, honestly it feels nice yeah it looks really good i haven't played it because vr i know i'm in better shape now so it probably wouldn't be so bad but when i first got my vr set i was not in great shape and vr shooters wore me out yeah i i went back i've, I've been playing through fallout 4 again which i don't know why i'm doing this to myself it's not a bad game and i've modded it just enough to where i feel like it's a different game but yeah God, it it really didn't age well it didn't age uh, like milk it, but it i mean it's basically it, just fallout 3 again so it wasn't great already, when it came out guys it wasn't great like, when it came out if it, uh, if it wasn't I great when it, it came out and then didn't age well ooh. It, it just feels weird like some of the mechanics just don't make sense and the pc ui is atrocious like to scrap things in the settlement i either have to move my mouse and click the enter button which doesn't which doesn't tell you you can do this it is a non-interactable button you literally just have to mouse over it and hope or i have to remove (laughs) my hand from the mouse hit enter and then go back to the mouse to move around not i mean skyrim's wasn't very good either but there were it's not good I have found maybe one good UI mod for Fallout You know, that's, 4. that's really weird because Bethesda games, you know, like some some game makers, you can tell, like, they're designing their UI for console, but Bethesda was PC for the longest time, so there's really... Not really. No, but Sky, Skyrim was very clearly, that was a console game first. Skyrim was a console game UI. Oblivion's UI worked well on console, worked well on PC. But it wasn't... I I never liked Oblivion's UI. I thought it was. I, I kind of liked it. Aesthetically, it was neat, but I found that, that like it kind of the aesthetic and the practicality of it clashed really hard. Uh, Fallout Three and New Vegas's UI. I mean, it's a Pit Boy interface. You can't mess that up. Yeah. I don't know how they messed it up in Four though. Like, because it's it's also a Pit Boy in Four, right? Yeah, but they got rid of mouse interactivity. Like well, correct me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember, and I might be wrong, that in the console version of Fallout Four, I could heal individual limbs with stim packs. I don't think it. Did, I don't Maybe think it was a thing, but I don't know how to do that in PC, and it hasn't told me how. And you can't just mouse over the UI to interact with it. Surely there's a uh, UI mod that you could fish for. Did you just use a controller for the... Yeah, just use that. Yeah. Oh, but it doesn't allow swapping between a controller and a mouse. That's my other gripe. I hate when games don't allow that. That kills me. Like, it locks me into the controller interface unless I unplug the controller. Uh, Every other game I've played that has controller support, the second I move a mouse, it'll be like, oh, time to swap to contr- PC inputs. Yeah, it got it got really common when... um. When the Steam controller was new, because people like to use their Steam controller as a hybrid controller and mouse and keyboard. And so some developers kind of caught on to that and started making it so that you could use both inputs at the same time. The thing thing is, The Witcher 3 launched the same year. It had that feature. (laughs) Yeah, well, a lot of games, a lot of engines just kind of were accepting of that by default. Also, we we have to keep in mind that... Like, when The Witcher 3 came out, like, they really ate Bethesda's lunch, right? Like, it really sort of proved how far Bethesda was behind, like, the great RPG makers of yeah. today, so. I I don't know what to say. I guess if I mod the game enough, it might be better. 
<laughs> I mean, that's the solution Maybe. always, right? It's always, always the solution. You gonna put uh, Thomas the Tank Engine in Fallout? No, no, I, I don't do wacky mods really. Okay, because like that's I've seen that in Skyrim like so much. Yeah, it's a good mod. <laughs> but yeah, uh, you you uh, you good, Mike? Yeah. So I have a couple brief updates. So I beat Ratchet and Clank. It was great. Don't have much more to say on that though. I have been mostly playing Slay the Spire. So, so yeah, I'm did like. I, did I tell you guys that I have Slay the Spire? I, yeah, it was on, on Game, Game Pass. Pass the whole time. Yeah. So I I feel like I'm easily over a hundred hours now, but I'd have to double check. In all this time. Still, I've only beaten the secret final boss once. So, like, that that just goes to show, like, how difficult this thing is. You know, like, I beat that thing on my second attempt using, like, a poison build on the thief, right? But ever since then, no matter how hard I try, no matter what build I use, no matter what character I use, I cannot kill that guy. Like, it is just impossible. So, I'm, I'm assuming that run was just exceptional, whether due to luck or what have you, but, like... 100 hours in, I've still only, like, truly beaten the game once. It's and, so uh, to see you dive into the roguelike abyss, Ahmed. Yeah. Yeah, so, roguelikes uh, are notoriously fickle. Like, even if you're the so much. best at a roguelike, <laughs> sometimes and, you just get screwed. I've seen speedrunners play through a roguelike, and it, sometimes it's just unwinnable. Yeah. I, and I will say, I think this is my first actual roguelike. Right, like I've played several roguelites in the past, but like I think this is my first tried and true roguelike, and uh, yeah. it's 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 brutal, but I love that about it. You know, like I've been, I've seen credit because like you 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 can get to like credits by just being the last boss, right? Like, but you know, obviously, like I want to try and beat the full game again. You know, like the secret final boss, and like still haven't been able to do it more than once, so gonna keep trying for it. and I, I really want to do it on like other characters right like i got close again on the thief character like one time so maybe the thief character is just like hilariously broken or something but like i definitely want to try on the warrior and and the automaton and the and the monk character as well but the same uh, thing happened to me in enter the gungeon where i uh the very first time i saw the secret final boss i rocked it and i was just like oh that wasn't so bad and i've never i've never beaten it again yeah it's just yeah, I wonder what that. Yeah, it's it's that's interesting. I'm yeah. you just get good RNG sometimes. Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and the same thing in Noita. You can just get like a couple good items. Like, if you get like decent black holes, teleport, and uh, an acid flask, you can just skip the entire game and go beat the final boss and roll credits if you want. It's pretty easy. Yeah, but like, I I don't know. Maybe maybe that's a tad unbalanced. But I I do like the fact that you can become hilariously overpowered in these kinds of games. Nah, I, I mean, it is unbalanced, but it's just fun. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I certainly wouldn't want it to go away. Yeah, I don't think the closest analog to that in Slate of the Spire has to be the poison build, right? Like, the poison build, like, murked that final boss. And I've very consciously since then avoided using poison because I, I don't want to beat it in the same way, way again. I'm the right? same so, way. Yeah. So maybe if I, if I had done it, strat. like, yeah. Like, you, so, you get that cheese strat once because you're learning the game and you feel good for finding it, right? But, like, once yeah. you've done it, you don't really want to do it a second time because you want to earn that victory. Right. So like I like, you know, I've very consciously avoided that same build uh, in all my subsequent attempts and have not yet been able to do it. So 
We'll see. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm done with this game by a long shot. I'm going to keep playing it. But I do yeah, have shot this weekend. I do have everything unlocked now, though, like all the 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 cards and stuff. Because like, as you play with each character, you can unlock cards that you can potentially pick up and relics that you can potentially pick up on runs, and all of that has been unlocked now. So I I think like I have access to all of the build variety now. So uh, that's exciting. So yeah, slay the spire. And very briefly, I also want to mention I did play Mario Golf. I played it at a friend's house. And uh, it was fun. I don't think I would buy this game myself. Just because, yeah. like, I'm not too big into golf. But, like, if you have a crowd of people together and, and you play it like that, it's it's pretty fun. But uh, one, I, I've actually never played a Mario Golf game before. I know, like, they're pretty beloved. But one thing I thought was really cool about this game is that, like, each character has, like, their own, like, special golf ability or whatever. So, like, Luigi... Like uh, when your super sp- uh, super meter is tr- charged up and you use your your special attack, you hit the golf ball and wherever it lands, it creates a giant like sheet of ice. So like it, the ball like just lands and doesn't roll when you use that ability, and it creates a sheet of ice that potentially freezes and slips up other balls that land in your area. Similarly, like I played as uh, King Bomb and uh, he has an ability where you know. Wherever the ball lands, like, a bunch of bombs go off. So, cool little things like that spice it up. You know, like, give it, like, the Mario flair. It's not just, like, a plain golf game. But, and I did see there were, like, a, pun- a bunch of different modes. Like, there was, like, speed golf and battle golf and stuff. But, like, we just played a normal round of golf, nine holes, and it was fun. And, uh, yeah, that's what I've been playing. The game's kind of run the gamut of reviews from what I've seen. Yeah, it's 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 actually sitting at like an seventy-seven or so on Metacritic, which is pretty wild for a game with Mario in the title, you know. So, yeah, I like was buying the hype for a bit, and I thought I was gonna buy it, but I actually watched some people play it, and I was like, oh yeah, it's a golf game. Never mind. And I, and I asked my friend, like, are there any things to unlock or anything like that? And he said, as far as he knows, no. So it's just like I, I think feel you like you unlock courses by playing through the single-player game. He said there are like five total courses, which. I, I don't know. It doesn't seem like too much, really but small. it's like an okay amount, I guess, for golf because like there's different holes and stuff per course. Yeah. But yeah, like I feel like the general consensus I've seen online is that like this game is kind of lacking for content. Like the the previous golf game, Mario Golf game that came out on like GameCube, whatever, apparently had way more content than this. So that's kind of disappointing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'll definitely like play it again if I have access to it but i don't think i'm gonna buy it myself and uh yeah that's uh that's it for me and i think that's gonna be the episode guys thank you for listening you can follow us at ad podcast game talk on twitter please like rate and review us at any podcast service you use and click the link in the description of the podcast to join our discord and talk to us there thank you connor and mike yep see you guys next week see you next time bye What's your sister's name? Emily. Okay. Someone Haynes. Okay, someone Haynes tried to follow me on Facebook and I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't know this person, but it might be Connor's sister, but it's it wasn't Emily Haynes. If it was Natalie, it could have been my mom. Oh, it is Natalie. Yeah, it was probably my mom then. Okay, I guess I'll be friends with her on Facebook then. That's weird.
I don't like it when my friend's parents try to add me on Facebook. It makes me really uncomfortable. Uh, I don't know if this is... Hold on. Did she just make a Facebook account? No. Her Facebook account is like at least 10 years old. Okay, this is definitely not your mom. Your mom, your mom didn't get married three days ago, did she? No, she did not. <laughs> 